All right, well, good afternoon. Uh, welcome back. Um, I'm, our staff is excited to be back to work. Our players are excited to be here. Um, I'm really excited about having our, my opening press conference. I'm fired up. Um, I think that most of my quick introduction is going to be personnel-driven to try to you know, alleviate a lot of the questions right from the start. I know there'll be a number of questions. Um, anything's fair, everything's fair game here. Um, I think that the way I've set this up for camp, once again, for media access, I think most of you will be pleased by the spread out. Instead of trying to bombard everyone all at the same time, you know, tomorrow I got a half dozen offensive players. I gave them to Katie. Katie can give them to you afterwards if you'd like them. The next day there'll be a half dozen defensive players. The next day it'll be offensive coaches. The next day it'll be defensive coaches. And then there's a lot of new players here that I know that you that you'd like to talk to, so I'll, I'll make them available the next day. Once we get through those first uh, six days, then we'll start hitting more, you know, position coaches and, and their players. And once, once again, just work through Katie, get anything request to Katie. Um, for most of you, you'll find out I'm usually pretty good at, at saying yes to just about everything. Every once in a while, you'll ask for somebody that's eighth team and I'll really question why you're asking for them. So I will uh, usually say no when that ends up happening. But for the most part, I try to work with you because um, this is a necessary part of the job, and I want to make your jobs a little easier if I possibly can. Um, coming back, one of my biggest concerns, walking back in the door, um, were how our academics were and obviously the new players coming in. Um, I was very, very, very pleased uh, with our academic performance in the summertime. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had grades this good as a group, to tell you the truth. Uh, the, the grade point average in the summertime was a 3-1-1. Normally in the summertime, trying to keep their focus and attention, even though they're only taking a class or two, becomes much more difficult because it's summertime, just like everybody else. You know, the weather's warm, we want to be outside, but I was very, very pleased. There were a couple guys that were borderline. Are they going to get on probation academically? No one's on probation. Everyone's got a clear slate. Uh, I, was, I was very pleased overall academically. The next point of, uh, of order, obviously, was the big, how many of these guys are going to end up being here? I mean, uh, you know, no matter where I am, if I ran into a Jayhawk fan, he goes, "Well, so and so there yet? Is so and so coming?" So let's get uh, let's get that that cleared up. Everybody is here at this time already, except for uh, Pierce Slater and Kevin Short. Okay, Pierce Slater's landing here 155 Saturday afternoon. He's going to come here. He's going to get his stuff on. I'm going to get his butt out to practice as quickly as I can. Unfortunately, you guys won't miss him, but I told Katie to make sure you take a picture. You won't miss him. Trust me. But um, he'll be here Saturday afternoon. Um, Kevin is, has wrapped up his – he had two classes left to go. He had a very, very active, busy summer academically. He had two classes left to go. He finished one of them last night. And he should be finishing the other one by the end of this week, okay? And as long as his grades are, uh, grades are in order, you know, we hope to have him here in a short time. It could be as early as this weekend. 
It could be as late as another week because, you know, I I think the way the way it works, you have to wait till you get the paperwork from from the schools to say they're you know they have their AA degree and they're ready to go, but everyone else is ready to go. You saw on the depth chart I listed two guys in the bottom left hand corner as already redshirt. Marcus Jenkins Moore had a procedure done on his knee. I think under the uh, because of where he is medically and because he's a three for two, I think that he'd be in the best interest to him would be to go spend this year rehabbing and make sure he was full go, ready to go, can worry about his academics, can learn our system, okay, can you know regain some of, some of his strength that he's lost uh, since since the surgery and put him in a position where we could have him around for two more years with, with him perfectly healthy. The other one, Nick Harwell, obviously you know all the, you know, the information with that one. The bottom line was he was never allowed, he was never allowed to complete his last six hours. Uh, at, unless somebody waves a magic wand, you know, and does something that I'm not anticipating here in the, in the next short amount of time. Uh, he's already in the building here today. So unless somebody waves a magic wand, my intent with him is to, uh, to treat, you know, Jenkins Moore and, and Nick Harwell like I did Jake Heaps and, and Justin McKay last year. You know, just work on, you know, work on, you know, everything football-related, let them get their academics in, in order, let them work, work on community service. There's a bunch of things they could do to make themselves better people and better prepared and proud Jayhawks when they end up leaving here, and that's what I intend to do with, with both of those young men. Other than that, other than Marcus Jenkins Moore, the only guy who's not 100% is Tyree Williams, and he's on, you know, he's, I have him listed as a third safety. Um, if and he probably he probably isn't he's not 100% healthy, so he wouldn't run with the third group right now. Um, we're just uh, we'll try to get him to 100% as quick as we can to get him and get him into the mix. But knock on wood, walking in the door, he's the only guy. He's the only guy who uh, isn't a go. All those JUCO guys that you're all questioning about, they've all cleared. They're all in school and they're all here. Okay, so that'll eliminate all those questions. Okay, is so-and-so here, so-and-so here, so-and-so here? You know, fortunately, I have to give, I have to give a lot of congratulations to uh, three people uh, when it came to this. You know, one of my staff would be Rob Ionello, but Paul Buskirk, okay, has done a wonderful job uh, helping guide through, us through this, and Dave, David Reed in compliance. Uh, those two guys, along with Coach Ionello and myself, have been uh, going through a lot of work when obviously when you go this route that we took to bring in so many guys so so many transfer juco transfers in particular to get all their academics in order uh, uh, was quite a challenge and uh, as i told you they'd be coming in waves well you know i was prophetic on that one because that's really the way this is the way this has turned out so i'm very happy that that's the way well, that's where we are right now Let's be a little bit more specific and let's talk about some p things on the depth chart. Last year at this time, I had a tough time giving you two deep. And I probably had a tough time giving you one deep in some, in, in some cases. Okay, but uh, what I did this year is I put down a three deep. It doesn't have every player on the team, 
Okay, and in some cases, there'll be four guys in a position because a third guy might be a, this guy or that guy. Okay, so in some positions, I've listed four, but I've been able to list a three deep, realizing that the first couple days, like with Slater not there in the first couple days, then he obviously won't be running the second right tackle. In reality, even though Fondle is listed as a second left, second left tackle, I will probably put Fondle at right tackle with the second group until Slater gets here so that I can cross-train Fondle and have him ready to play right tackle or left tackle. I'm using that as an example. So don't make it a, an earth-shattering thing, Tate. When we go out there and we're doing starts and you see, well, Fondle's at right tackle. He lied to us. No, I'm not lying to you. I'm just, you know, we have to build in some inherent depth with guys that can play right side or left side, and that's the type of thing we'll do. The same thing you see Kevin Short backed up behind Dexter McDonald. Oh, no, aren't they both going to be starters? Why wouldn't we put them on the opposite sides? Because one of them's not here. If they were both here, maybe one would be on one side and one would be on the other side. So when we go to the second right corner, Greg Allen will be running the second right corner. Okay, that's the reason why we do that. So you have to factor in the two guys that you don't he have here yet. You factor that in and as, as you get ready for reps with who you have. Okay, another issue. Who's going to play center? Well, you'll notice Pat Lewandowski is listed as our starting center. We've been working on this for quite some time. Just because you guys didn't know it, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean that we haven't been working on this for months. Okay, we did get Dylan Amnire up to 280. You know, which, you know, he's, uh, that, that's his main thing. You know, he's probably one of the hardest working guys that we got on our team who's in competition at center. But Lewandowski is over 290 now. Okay, those are two of the smartest players we have on our team. And in this offense, you need a center that's got intelligence. And that's the way, that's the way we're doing it. Obviously, Smithburg played a lot of center in, in the spring. Okay, you saw the shotgun snap problems. I'm not that stupid in case you're wondering. Okay, I saw them too. That's why he's back at guard where he's much more comfortable and should be a nice competition uh, over there with, with, uh, with Damon Martin right behind him because Damon Martin is testing out as probably one of the strongest people on our team. Okay, at right tackle, you, the other guy who you definitely see in the mix is Brian Beckman. We're really high on Brian, but he's a redshirt freshman, you know, but we think that he, he has a chance to go ahead and compete for us. At center, you'll, I talked about uh, Lewandowski and Admire. You will notice that uh, I put Joe Gibson down as the third center, which although he's a local walk-on, he's really had a heck of a summer, and he's gained about 15 pounds, and he's been very encouraging with him and Bloomfield coming in. Those guys have been very encouraging. Over at the left guard position, you know, I don't have to look at the depth chart. I kind of have this figured out. At the, at the left guard position, Nalu has trimmed down about 20 pounds. He's down to, I don't, I don't know if it's listed at 310 or whatever it's at. But he's trimmed way down. He looks he looks way better than he did uh, than he did in the spring. That'll be a nice comp uh, competition with Randall Dent and Brian Peters had a nice spring for us as well. You'll notice we moved Aslam from the right side to the left side. Aslam is the most changed player we've had on our team. Last year at this time, whatever weight he was down, I lied. He was about probably about 400. Okay, okay, he's 315. 315, he's done a great job on and off the field. Academically, he had a lot of work to do. He got it all done, did well. His body's changed. 
I mean, he's a he's a totally different person on and off the field than when he got here. And we really believe athletically, you know, he's a guy who could handle the left tackle spot. Fondle is definitely a guy who we, we uh, are high on athletically and could play left tackle. But once again, I'm going to cross-train him and see to give him an opportunity, uh, opportunity to try to get into this mix. We know Riley Spencer's over there at right tackle, a big physical guy who's been here a long time coming off an injury. So that pretty well sets it for the offensive line. The tight end, we think we have a lot of depth there. Jermaine Mundine has reformed his body. He looks totally different. It's going to be tough for anyone to beat him out. Smiley's back from uh, from his injury in the spring. The two young guys, Jordan Taylor and, and, and Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson came here when I started recruiting him. He was about 210. He's about 240 now. It probably says 238 or something like that, but he's he's he's, he's he looks like a totally different person. And, you know, um, Charles Brooks is still in contention there, uh, but I want to see what those young guys could do in a hurry because – um, I've been really high on Jordan Smith, and Ben Johnson had the best summer of any of the young guys, any of the young guys on the field. Okay, the wide receiver position, uh, McKay is listed as a start next. Uh, Josh Ford earned the right to be listed second by, based off his performance in the spring. You know, Mark Thomas is in along with Ishmael Hyman. We'll see how it goes. Right now, I cross-listed them as three, but, you know, we haven't seen them do too much yet. Um, you know, we're really high on both those players. We'll see if they can work their way up the depth chart. Over on the, over on the right side at the Z, um, Christian Matthews has been the leader at the wide receiver position through the spring and in the summer. He's been far, by far the leader, and he's not going to give this position away to anyone very easily, even though he hasn't played a lot. Uh, Trey Parmley had a really good had a really good summer, and we're really high on Rod on Rod Coleman. You know, I got Rod Coleman and Terzilli listed at the strong Z, at, at the third Z, and like I said, we're just going to have to see how it plays out at that position. Like I said, I didn't mention every everyone, but there's four. Now let's go to the F position. You'll notice Tony's there. And you see an interesting thing. You'll see Bourbon listed as the backup with Tony. We got too many running backs that got talent to sit them on the bench. So what I've done is I've taken these, this position and kind of have this hybrid position, this F position that Tony's to feature. When Bourbon would be in there, we would, we would do some of the stuff we do with Tony, and then some of the stuff we do with Tony we wouldn't do. You know, so Bourbon's a little different category, but what we don't want Bourbon to do, we're really high on Brandon, and we don't ha want him getting buried in the halfback depth chart and not, get, not getting himself onto the field. So now we put him in a position where now he can get himself into the mix. Over at the halfback position, Sims the starter. You can see Cox or Miller, Miller or Cox. It really doesn't make a difference. Those, you know, there's going to be great competition. At, you could have said it really, Sims or those guys, the halfback position has a lot of good, talented players. At the quarterback position, Heaps is number one. Cummings is number two. The two freshmen I have listed, uh, three or four. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how this, how all this plays out. Does Michael challenge G, uh, Jake? Okay, does Montel or Jordan challenge Michael? You know, that's, the, that's what we're going to have, the questions we're going to have, have to answer going through this spring. Okay, on special teams, You'll notice now, let's start with the, play, the kickoff guy. I separated the kickoff guy from the place kicker. I really don't expect it to be the same person. 
You know, I think the kickoff guy is going to come really from one of two people. I think it's either going to be Perdula or Khan being the kickoff guy. And the field goal kicker, I think that Perdula has the strongest leg, but it's not going to surprise me if Mesh is the field goal kicker. You know, we have Wyman, we have Barone. You know, we have those other guys that are going to be in this mix right here. But I'm really high on Mesh right now, but we'll have to see him do it, you know, out there in practice because we just, we just, you know, he just got here. Okay, at punter, it's going to be Perdula, Doherty, you know, at, um, you know, that's, that, we'll handle that. Long snapper, we got three candidates. You know, we're really high on, on Wordle, who we brought in from Chicago. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up doing all the snapping. Okay, but uh, for the time being, Jeffers would be ahead of Zach Young. Zach Young had been here last year. He was a transfer from Indiana, but had to sit out last year because he was a transfer. So we got three guys at the long snapping position, and we're high on the new guy. Okay, last but not least, as far as personnel goes, let's talk about defense. Now, obviously, defense in this league is in, has changed. This league has evolved. There's so many teams that are snapping, the, not only running no huddle, but snapping the ball so fast. You know, yeah, I really had to do a lot of study in the month of December and January before we even got to February to sit down with my defensive staff and say, fellas, we're going to make a bunch of changes if we're going to compete in this league. So you'll, the first thing you'll see is we're listening in our defense is a nickel defense. You know, we're not listening as a base defense. We're listening as a nickel because everyone's got three and four wide receivers right there, and you can't match up base defense against three and four wide receivers and be competitive in this league. The other thing you can't do is be flipping people from side to side the whole game and think that you're going to get lined up in time before they snap the ball. The other thing we have to do is we have to have, we have, to have the three main defensive coaches, no disrespect to Vestal, who I hired, but they all have to be on the field coaching. Campo's got to be on the field to give coaching points to the secondary. Bowen's got to be on the field to give coaching points to, to the linebackers. Okay, Buddy's got to be on the field to give coaching points to the defensive linemen. All three of them have been coordinators in their careers. Okay, and they got to give coaching points. And really the guy who's got to tie it all together the, the most is, is, would be the linebacker coach. So Bowen's going to have to help put this together more than, more than even Dave's going to if we're going to be able to handle the tempo of the game. The tempo of the game has dictated us going to almost no huddle defense to match no huddle offense and go from base defense to a nickel defense to even dime or quarter or somewhat even more extravagant where we even get more guys on the field that are secondary type players. You don't have time to flip flop them all over. Okay, with that being said, you'll, let me start with the defensive line. Keon's listed at the nose. You know, McKinney has not beaten out Kevin Young yet, so that competition should be interesting. But Keon is by far the leader at nose. Now, you look at the left end slash tackle and right end slash tackle positions. The reason why they're there like that is because if we're not flip-flopping sides, these guys could be at a defensive tackle position or they could be at a defensive end position based off of the, of the defensive front. But they don't have time to flip from one side to the other side. So they're, sometimes they're going to be an end, sometimes they're going to be a tackle, okay, but they're going to be on the left, the left side of Keon or the right side of Keon. Okay, so at the left end, I got Combs, uh, Combs to Vi and to Darian. Okay, on the right side, I have Kiba 
then Andrew, and then Tyler Holmes. Okay, so that's how that's listed, uh, listed on that depth. Okay, to be able to have nine defensive linemen who would kind of like some, it's a, we've, it's a far cry from when I walked in the door here. We actually are really looking forward to the competition, even in training camp, because we think we got some solid backup linemen on both sides of the ball that will give us a chance to be much more competitive against each other while we're practicing. The buck position. You know, it's been well documented that, you know, we had Chris in here and he's gone. Okay, we, I had Ben Goodman, who's one of my favorite on-the-field players, drop 15 pounds. So he's now 245 pounds, okay, which is, which is the weight I told him I wanted to get to to play the buck linebacker position. So he is now listed as a starting buck, and behind him will either be Willis or Reynolds. You know, Willis has much more leadership. Reynolds has more athletic ability. Uh, we're going to see how that plays out between the two of them. On the other side is our nickel. Okay, so you'll see that's a drastic change from, uh, from the springtime. You'll see Cassius. Now, everyone wants to know, is Cassius a corner, Cassius a safety? Well, he's a nickel. Okay, so eh, eh, and the first two. Okay, but really, we know that we can move Cassius to corner or safety and have practiced him at both positions. But right now, with what we're doing, okay, Cassius would be our starting nickel. You'll also notice that we moved Victor Simmons out there to that position. Victor Simmons looks, looks like a man playing, playing amongst boys physically. I mean, when you look at him, he's up to 220 pounds. He looks absolutely awesome. We don't want him getting buried at the inside linebacker position. We're going to give him a, position, a chance to compete. That's why he's ahead of uh, Arnick, who most of the spring was our first guy over in that position. Okay, our two inside linebacker positions will also be very competitive. You got Heaney, backed up by Schuyler, backed up by Goez, who were high on as a freshman. And then, then at the will position, uh, Samson hasn't done enough, you know, at this point to uh, unseat Jake. So you got Jake, and then you got Samson, and then you got Prince Candy. We also know that both Prince and Jake have played outside. So if for, for some reason Samson were to beat Jake out, you know, Jake is always a contender for us to move to one of the outside linebacker positions. Okay, at the corner positions, uh, right now the first, first two guys would be Dexter and Jacory. Okay, they'd, they'd go out with the first group. If Kevin were here, okay, uh, that might be different, but he's not here. We listed Kevin as, as a two along with Holloman. And in the third group, uh, third group we got Nasmore and Greg Allen. You know, obviously, you know, Greg will pop, pop up to number two, and let's see what he can do at that position. Okay, at this strong safety, uh, strong safety position, um, Isaiah Johnson, um, Isaiah Johnson, and you know, and Tevin Shaw and Brian Moore are down there. Um, and at the free safety position, we got Dexter Linton and Alex Matlock. Okay, um, and then Tyree, who's not healthy at this time. So that you know, pretty well gives you, you know, kind of our depth chart gives you the. The biggest issue that we had as a, as a staff, okay, was the formation, taking a defense that we could take all these new guys, factor in the speed of the game, okay, factor in our coaching staff, 
okay, and try to come up with a game plan of, of what we want to do and how we're going to practice it, uh, how we're going to practice it in, in training camp so that by September 7th, a month from now, we could have integrated a lot of these guys into a system that we could be ready to go when, when kick, we kick off on September 7th. And on that note, I will now open it up to question and answers. Listing the three deep and the depth you're talking about is great for competition and all that. But does it does it mean there'll be a shorter leash with some of these guys if they're not getting the job done? And, and will you be more free to hey, let's try this guy, let's try that guy? I think that the that the in the in the beginning the depth chart will be fluid. Okay, and they will have from now until August 17th to stake their claim. So I'll already give you my drop-dead date, okay? They'll have from now to August 17th. If they're not in the mix on August 17th, okay, then they're basically going to become more of show team players. But I think that I owe it to every player on the team to see what we got. You know, don't have too short a leash, no, because I think if you do that, you could make a mistake and make a rash decision, you know, because you got more players. I think you let everyone be into the mix you know, until that time, and then you kind of take that, that is like our drop-dead date where we start saying, okay, who's really in the mix, who's really not in the mix? Like, you guys want to talk about red shirt guys, I never tell a guy to come in here expecting a red shirt. I don't tell any freshman to come in here or expect a red shirt. Okay, that's just a product of the environment. If a guy's not going to play and you don't need to use him, you know, it would benefit him not playing. Okay, but what if a guy comes in there and he's the best guy? What if Colton Coez, who's listed as a third Mike, is one of our best pass rushers? So even though he's listed as a third Mike, what he did the best in, in high school was pass rush. Well, we, you know, we, we could use some pass rush. So who knows? Maybe he, ends up, maybe he ends up playing situational football. The problem is with the speed of the game, you don't have a lot of time to substitute anymore. You, you just don't have time. So you got to be ready to play with the guys that are on the field. That's why you better set up a foundation. But the answer to your question would be it, after August 17th, that's when we would start to we would make those decisions. Talking about bringing the defensive coaches down to the field, what's the give and take there? What, what, what things do you maybe sacrifice by not having enough time? Well, in the olden days, you know, the olden days, you know, you'd you'd sit there, you'd watch the per offensive personnel substitution. You'd send your personnel out on the field, okay, and, and your defensive call based off of down and distance and hash mark. Well, I mean, you can't do that. So a lot of it is coaching on the fly. So you're going to have to signal something where everyone's going to have to be able to look over to see what it is because they don't even have a time for a signal caller. A lot of times a signal caller doesn't even have time to signal to everyone what it is. So, you know, you're going to have multiple guys trying to get the message across. Everyone looking at the sideline, here's a defense, let's go ahead and go. You know, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, how can you do that if you're upstairs? You know, you just can't do it. You know, so Dave was upstairs last year. He can't be, he can't be up there and coach the secondary. It doesn't, doesn't work. Now, Scott, who is probably one of the best set of eyes we have, is in Scott Vestal. Even though he's new, he's a real student of the game. His major, I, we just had this, this conversation again this morning. During a drive, 
his main thing is going to be down in distance and field position and, you know, if personnel, if personnel changes. His real value will come in between series when we say, okay, here's what they did, here's what they did, here's how they did something different. Because, but as far as play to play, everything happens on the field and it happens quickly. You know, the ball's being snapped, you know, every 10 to 20 seconds. You know, you have to do things. You have to be ready as quickly as them or else you're not ready to go. Continuity of camp, how big was it to have almost everybody here and Greg go under one? Well, I mean, I'm really not that different than you, Austin, if you think about it. You know, these guys have come in waves, just how I said, but you, some, of them, some of them just walked in the door today. You know, but having them here and you know, having them here and knowing, okay, I can give you a depth chart and be able to say, you know, while he's here, well, I think he's going to be here. Well, he may be here. Well, maybe I don't even put him on a depth chart. You know, I think that being able to say, okay, here's what we got going from day one, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to, to move forward right, right from the start. Coach, your kids in Dallas all remarked about how difficult the summer was, how, how hard and difficult under whole softball. Can you talk about the summer and uh, how pleased you are and also the difference in the kids physically as a whole compared to last year? Well, my favorite part of my conversation with the Hosopel is his book of body, of body changes because he comes in and shows you two pictures and it's really disgusting. I mean, you look at the pictures, I'd say if he showed me 80 pictures, 75 of them, are just like you can't even believe it's the same kid. You know, I don't. I mean, it's that high a percentage, and you say to yourself, "How can a guy's body change that much in that short a time?" You just don't can't imagine how that happens. Now, I'm not saying that that automatically correlates to winning games, but obviously, by deductive reasoning, you could figure these guys had to be working their butt off because it just it, the bodies just don't change. You know, I always believe a picture is worth a thousand words, and when he sits there and shows me those pictures, I look at the numbers, I see how much more they can bench, you know, and how, what their weight changes and everything. But looking at their bodies then and their bodies now, that's probably the biggest testament that I have. Look, at, I know what I'm getting from Coach Hosopel and his staff. I know what I'm getting from them every day. Okay, but the biggest, most encouraging thing is when you get more and more guys on board. You're never going to get everyone on board. People are, there's always players that are going to think they're getting shafted. That's part, of, that's, that's part of sports. But it's more and more and more. Each day there's more and more guys. And when the players start doing the policing, instead of the coaches start doing the policing, you're, you're a far better off team. Nick Harlow obviously would have come in as one of the receivers with the most experience by far. How much of a drop-off is there from Harlow to Justin to, to, to Christian Matthews in terms of anticipation and, and what you expect? From well, you first, of all, first of all, Justin McKay was one of the highest-rated receivers coming out of uh, in the country. And I know that because I was recruiting him to that other school. I mean, no one was higher-rated than, than, than Justin McKay. I mean, I think Justin McKay has an opportunity to be a top-line receiver. Tony is really playing a, a good portion of the time. He's really playing a wide receiver position a good portion of the time. To tell me, how many, we don't have too many guys that are like Tony. 
Okay, and I think that you, you're going to be pleasantly surprised with a couple of those guys over at that position. Would we have loved to have Nick? You betcha. Is Nick a guy who is highly thought of, you know, by even NFL guys and everything? You betcha. But you know what? This is, this is a great year for Nick. You know, it didn't work out the way Nick wanted or we wanted. But what do I get? I get to him to come in here. Okay, he gets a whole year to put that all behind him. Okay, you know, and we can work on a bunch of things on and off the field so that next year when he's ready to go, okay, he'll even be more fired up, and so will the rest of us. Next year at this time, we'll be really happy we have him. We're just not as happy this year. It is what it is. With some of these guys that, that sort of moved around, you kind of mentioned this, but somebody like uh, Greg Allen, now back at corner, or, or Brian Mora, I know you can't see much during the summer, so what, what do you base those kind of decisions on? Greg Allen has corner skills that could play safety, okay? Most guys, most guys that play safety don't have corner skills, okay? They have safety skills. That's why Cassius is different. Cassius has corner skills that can play safety, okay? So I don't, I'm not 100% sure where Cassius ends up. Right now, he's our nickel, and if we were going to play a game today, he'd be our nickel. But what if Victor Simmons plays great, and Cassius now can go play, go play one of the safety positions? You know, he gives us some flexibility. So does Greg. But what you don't want Greg to do is get buried to the point where he can't get on the field. So what you try to do is you put him in a situation where you think he has a chance of getting on the field. Especially a lot of these new guys. It seems like versatility is a big factor in all these guys. Is that something you guys, when you went into the recruiting process, that you guys targeted guys that can play several different positions, or is that something that is kind of materialized based off where you're at? And what you're well, at? well, versatility is a wonderful quality to have, but the first reason why we liked them is because they were good at what they did. Um, you know, they were good at, you know, they were good at, you know, a specific position. I mean, you know, Rod Coleman. You know, we're, we've been missing some speed around here. And he's got some. I'm using him as an example. So all of a sudden you go out there, you know, Christian might be one of the most dependable guys we have on our team. He'll never be fast. Christian's never going to be fast. You know, as the NFL people would say, he's quicker than fast. Okay, Rod's fast. There's a difference. I mean, so when a guy comes in, if they end up being a returner or something else for you, great. But the first things first is to get that one quality that one quality you brought them in for, and then whatever else you get after that is a bonus. And that flexibility and everything, that's a bonus. Anything you can get from those things, that's, that's, that's an add-on. Does Nick look a statement about the speed? I know that's one thing you and Coach Campbell have been trying to upgrade since you got here. Does the nickel look say, hey, we can get by without the exact speed we want, or are you getting there? What a, what, what a nickel a nickel does is let you match up versus all the spread. That's the reason why you do it. I mean, because you, if you don't, you're getting mismatched by having linebackers running against wide receivers all over the place. You know, that's why I don't rule out us going in the other direction and going to six DBs, not to, not, not to four DBs, you know, or to seven DBs. You know, it, you know, it's all the nature of the game right there. You have to be ready. You know, we've spent a lot of time here now, and it's not where we've changed really what we did in the spring. We just changed who's doing what we're doing in the spring, and that was going to happen when the reinforcements came anyway. 
And I mean, there was going to be a lot of tweaks in the depth chart when everyone got here. So now we kind of got everyone in place knowing which people. Uh, giving, like I said before, Jake Love. Jake Love's played outside linebacker here. Right now he's a starting well. Well, what if Samson beats him out? Do you want him sitting on a bench? Or what if he's better than somebody else somewhere else? Then you got to go, goes, goes back to Josh's comment before. You've got to be ready to move some people around so you can get them on the field and give them an opportunity to play. Obviously, the Chris Martin deal was, was unfortunate, of course, but certainly had to be easier to handle when it happened versus if it happened August, September. S sign me up. You know, you'd much rather know, be already dealt the cards, and then you could figure out how you're going to play them. You know, uh, you know, no one, no one wants wants things happening like that. But at least give me. I mean, Ben Goodman, we were going in the other direction. Ben Goodman was going up to 270. Okay, to go play defensive end. That's where he was going. Okay, called him in. Not so fast, big boy. Okay, time to go on a diet. So he went from eating like a pig to starving himself, you know. <laughs> uh, he wasn't too happy with me on that day right there. But the good thing about Ben is Ben just wanted to get his butt on the field and, and gave him an opportunity, you know. He, you know, he's, now he's running. he's been running drills, linebacker drills, instead of just defensive, you know, defensive lineman drills. And, you know, his body now matches that. You know, it, di it didn't at the time. It seems like Jordan's got the big arm, Montel, the all-around athlete. Are they competing with different set of skills? I, th I don't think they're the same player. It'll be interesting how it play plays out. But in the beginning, they're going to do the same things. You know, once somebody gets, you know, works their way up the depth chart, then I kind of do what they can do. You know, I don't do like I don't do with things that they can't do, and uh, don't 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 misinterpret that Montel can't throw the ball because Montel can throw the ball and he's an he's an exceptional athlete. You know, I think that he's been he's been you know he's had a really good summer for us as well. The running backs, the number that you have, do you envision a scenario where the Guys fighting for the carries, or do you see a scenario where you can be, you know, giving carries to three or four guys? I think we'll be running the ball a lot. I mean, and I think we'd be stupid not to. So we'll just see how it goes. You know, you got to start with you got to start with one. You know, and uh, until James is beaten out, James the guy, he's earned that right. I mean, you want Tony to not get any touches? You know, you know, we don't want Tony not getting any touches either. I talked about. You know, Darian and I uh, talked about Taylor, but you, you want Tony just detached all the time, never touching a ball? I'm not that dumb. He's getting touches too. So I think that means we better plan on running it a bunch. How, uh, how innovative do you get offensively having maybe five starting running backs on your roster to try to get them involved at the same time? I think if we can't throw the ball, we won't win as was proven last year. We couldn't throw the ball. We could run it against everyone, okay? But we couldn't throw the ball, couldn't score points, okay, and couldn't win. I think that just the opposite of most other teams, I think our passing game could take the pressure off of our running game, whereas most teams go in and say, well, the running game could take pressure off the passing game. I think if we can come out here and start slinging it around a little bit, 
okay, and get to more of a 50-50 ratio where we, we, don't have, we don't go into a game saying we're going to run it 50 or 60 times. Now, if you run, I would personally like to be one of those guys, if you ran it 50 times, that's because you were winning by about 50 points. Okay, in reality, I'd like to get to more of a 50-50 mix. By the end of the year, I'd like to think that, you know, you threw it and ran it about the same amount of time. So I'm thinking a little different based off of last year. I mean, you look at us last year, you say, well, this team's just going to run the ball. I don't think if we can't throw it, I think that we'll, you know, everyone in, that plays against us will be spending all the time in the offseason, you know, figuring, just shutting down, trying to figure out how they're going to shut down the run game. Weeks or so. What's left for you to see from Jake Heaps? What, is, what does he need to do to get ready for the season? Carry over what we've seen so far, because if what we've seen so far is what we get, I think we're all going to be happy. That's what we got to see. I mean, it's going to be a little different now. The whole tempo changes now. This isn't spring ball anymore. Okay, this is guys trying to earn positions for the next couple weeks. Okay, and it's going to be very competitive, competitive out there. Now, you know, it's a little different when you got the better players you got playing on defense puts more of a challenge on the quarterback. And, you know, he's got new players to integrate into the, into the passing game. You know, how, how can you mesh with them? How, you know, how, you know, do you guys, how's your relationship? You know, are you on the same uh, thought process when it comes to breaking off a route? I mean, I think that we've all been very, very, very upbeat and pleased with how things have gone with Jake. But now is the next step. We're just at one step. We've got to get to the next step. You know? And I think if what we're anticipating ends up happening, I think, we'll be, I, think, I think we've got a chance. A lot of people kind of feel like they heard the same things about Dane Chris last season going into the year. What separates those two players? I just also said one critical thing. Okay, one critical thing. Okay, and the critical thing was Dane, was Dane is coming off getting coming off a couple of knee injuries and a beatdown. And I said that we're not really going to know until the real bullets start flying. Okay, that's really not been the case with Jake. He ran a scout team, got the crap kicked out of him every single day when he wasn't throwing a touchdown pass, which was about every third play. But the other two plays, he was getting the crap kicked out of him. Okay, so it wasn't like what was going on with Dane. He was getting beat up by the defense every day because he was running the show team quarterback. Okay, Jake's been perfectly healthy. Jake's issue is not, are totally different issues than Dane had. Dane, in his defense, okay, was, was you know, it had been a while since, you know, the real bullets had been flying, and I think it, the situations were totally different. He's got better weapons to work with, too, this year than Dane had last year. You'd like to think we're better in a lot of different areas. You know, let's start with coaching. I don't think the coaches did a real good job starting with yours truly. I don't think any of us did a very good job. One in 11, I don't think anyone did a very good job. Maybe Reggie Mitchell. Maybe I should give him a raise. No, I would have been miserable anyway, to be perfectly honest with you. Because then what do you say? Then we've won two? Whoopee. Not to be sarcastic, but I'm dead serious. 
I mean, I hate, I absolutely hate losing. Okay, and I understand, I understand we are, you are what you are. So we're one, we're a one eleven team that right now is zero and zero, and it wouldn't make a difference what our record was last year. I would have, I would not have been satisfied. I can't. Well, we blew the Rice game. They kick a field goal at the end, and then TCU turns it over six times, but we still can't beat them. Then we go to Northern Illinois and blow that lead. And let's not talk about Texas Tech in double overtime, or let's not talk about blowing the Okie State game while we're at it when we got to cut to six, uh, six, and the ball's on a 30-yard line. And how about giving up a touchdown pass to Texas with 11 seconds to go? Other than that, I did a wonderful job. And to be perfectly honest with you, I blame me. I truly blame me. So in the summertime, I don't think about those good things that happen. Those couple of good things like going ahead and, you know, and beating Texas. Would that have been good for our program? You betcha. You know, you know would, that, would that have made a difference for, for the psyche and the, and the, you know, of the team? Without a doubt, it would have been a difference. But then you'd be sitting here 2 and 10. You know, and I'd still be miserable. And I, I promise you, I've lived through that season, you know, multiple times, and I've thought about the good, the good things and the bad things. And would that have been one more good thing to harp on? You betcha. I agree with you 100%. It would have been significantly different, especially at that time. At that time, it would have made a big difference. But I blame me. I don't blame them. I don't think so at all. I think that they have a chip on their shoulder, and I think that they, you know, they. I think that that's been kind of their mentality. It's not one that I put on them. It's one that they've had. You know, hey, look at they hear everyone say how crummy you are. They read it all. They hear it all. They see all the prognosticators. I mean, I mean, they're not. You know, they're college kids. They get it, and no one wants to be a loser. Okay, I think that they would have been driven. Look at that quarterback that was waiting that couldn't play at all. Okay, he was waiting in the waiting waiting in the woods to come out to when we got back from Morgantown. I'm surprised he wasn't sitting at my condo waiting for me. You know, I think that I've been very pleased overall with with their attitude starting the day after West Virginia. I think it goes all the way back to there. And I don't think having beaten any one of those teams would have done anything other than give us some temporary relief because it's still not good enough. Coach, it could be argued perhaps that your, your biggest losses were on the offensive line. Yeah, you singled out a lot of players that impressed you on the offensive line. Can you talk about the unit as a whole and your optimism that they can be as good or maybe even better than last year? We won't be as experienced. I think we'll be bigger and more physical. You know, we, we will lack an experience now in comparison now. So the experience has a lot of value, okay? But I think that we'll be bigger and more physical. And as you notice in recruiting, that's the direction I'm going. I want big guys. I want, I want big physical guys. I, want guys. I want guys that aren't the nicest people. Okay, that's what I want. Because every week when I sit there and watch the tapes, Remember now, I have to watch the opposing offense too. I don't just watch the defense. And that's what they're all playing with. So, you know, I don't want a bunch of 280-pound linemen. Bring me big guys. 
Bring me those guys. Bring me the guys that they're playing with. So that's the direction we're going in recruiting. Joe, when, uh, when people look at Mark Wilcombs, what are some ways that he can impact a game? Will it, will it be obvious for people when they're watching? I think that with an interior defensive lineman, even though he's listed, you know, a left-end tackle, it's how quick they get off the ball. And I think that that's, that is a strength of his, his quickness off the ball. And I think that that, especially in this league, that there's a lot of value to that. Now, being in the right position is the, is the next part, okay, but he's very quick off the ball. Defensive players, maybe like him, for example, tend to maybe have a, a personality that kind of has that it factor um, that can add something to a defense. How have you seen that since he's been here? And what is his kind of off the field personality been like? Well, personally, to, to be honest with you, tonight now I'm going to tell him to shut up. You know, I've, I've let him talk all he wants to, to the, but as of tonight now, it's no. I want to hear me talk, not him. Okay, so. He'll probably hear that several times in the next couple of weeks. I'll let him crank it back up in September. For the time being, I, I just want everyone to shut up and go to work. That's what I want him to do. I don't want to hear people talking. You know, talk is cheap. You know, we've all, we've all had a lot to say and haven't done a damn thing. You know, so you know, it's time to shut up and go to work. You talked about Sterling with his transformation um, and kind of Jumping on what you just said about big, nasty, mean guys. Is he there mentally? I mean, has he, you know, you said he's transformed, but has he transformed his mentality as well? I think you'll like Aslan. Or else I wouldn't have him listed first. I think you'll like him. Me moving to left tackle should tell you all you need to know to answer that one. You know, because I wouldn't, I mean, left tackle other than, other than center. you got to get center taken care of. But the number one position with a righty quarterback is a left tackle. You know, and you know, you're losing a lot of experience at that center and left tackle positions that we were just talking about right now. You know, but I think putting a smart guy look I got I got smart guys at, right through the depth chart at center. All three of those guys are very, very smart. Okay, and I wouldn't put Aslam over at left tackle if I didn't think that he could, you know, compete over there at a high level. Same thing, like you're just talking about Lewandowski. You obviously talked about moving. The intelligence is there. The size is there. Are there limitations that he'll face at center? Well, actually, it was nice to be able to see somebody give a shotgun snap and land in the quarterback's hands. That's that's a good that, that's a good place that's a good place to start. You know, you know. So he spent a lot of time with with heaps this summer. You know, I wasn't around to watch it, but you know, Jake was happy. So if Jake's happy, then I'm happy. Charlie, you said talk is cheap, and, and as you move this thing forward, were you surprised or were you cognizant of how much traction your comments in Dallas got, or was it just a slow news day? You know, it's almost comical. I mean, did they not watch our team last year? I mean, give me a break. And, you know, anyone who came over to our table, you know, when we sat there and talked about it, or anyone who knows me personally, knows I put myself as the leader of that group. You know, the, the, the national guys want to immediately throw you under the, like say you're throwing your team under the bus. I always sit there and, and say, what could I have done? But whose record does that one in 11 go on? 
The last time I checked, it goes on under my name, right? Kansas football and me. Okay, so I'm the leader of that. Uh, how else are you going to describe it? You want me to give it a more cleaner way? It wasn't very good. Okay, <laughs> I mean, oh, okay, I could have said that. Okay, but I really said, really, what I said is what I really taught, how I talk to recruits. It would be a Sunday afternoon. A guy comes into the game. We just played Iowa State. We got a, I got a recruit in my office. We, we wear the black uniforms. I got everything planned. It's senior day. We go and get whooped at home. All this great motivation that I was planning. How'd that work out? So now it's Sunday morning. I'm sitting with a guy in my office. And he's saying, do you think I can play? I said, did you watch the game? That's one of the reasons why they say yes. One of the reasons why they say yes is because they can envision themselves playing early on. I think it's unethical to sit there and tell a recruit that they're going to start. I don't think you should ever tell them that. I think you could say, you saw the product. Do you think you can start here? And if you don't think you can, maybe you should go somewhere else. Or maybe you're playing the wrong sport. That's not a dumb thing to say. Okay, did I, did I know when I answered the question honestly, which I did, that it was going to get that traction? I didn't even have a clue. You know, I was clueless, but people have told me I've been clueless about several other things. So that is not the first time that I've been called that. Coach, outside of uh, Dexter at the safety position, we have a lot of people that most of us don't know much about. Can you talk about both strong and free? Isaiah has very, very, very excellent range. That was one of the one of the things that. That's one of the reasons why he's actually running one, even though he's just getting here, because we need somebody with range. You need, you know, if you don't have range in this league, you, you got a, you got a problem. Now we really liked in the springtime both Tevin Shaw and Alex Madlock. But they were too—they weren't consistent enough for us to list them as a one. And if we're not happy with the safety position, you already know that we always can take Cassius and put him at the safety position. But right now, we want to give Tevin and, and Alex every opportunity to play themselves into the mix right there, because both of them want—you know—Alex is just what he is. He's more of a free safety, okay, and Tevin is, is more of a strong safety. That's why they're listed where they're listed. Yeah, that was that was kind of funny. You you say that, you know. I you know I traded about a week. First of all, a week beforehand, you know, I text him to you know so I because I wanted him to know I wasn't going to be there, you know, because everyone in the free world was there that that I could see. Okay, but I wanted to thank him for what he has done for me in my career, and congratulate him. And you know, you know, he texts back about two minutes later. So now it's Saturday morning. And it's early Saturday morning, and I'm sitting in Andy Reid's office over at training camp. And the two of us were sitting there talking about Parcells. Sure enough, who, who texts it at that exact time that we're sitting there talking about him is Parcells. So Andy had some fun with it. We had some fun with it. He goes, me and Weiss are talking about you as you speak. You know, so it, it was kind of cool thinking about it. Here, Saturday morning, you're sitting there communicating. 
Okay, and then Saturday night you're sitting there watching TV, listening to one of the more inspiring talks you ever could hear. Now, fortunately for me, I've heard that talk a whole bunch of times. You know, there are a lot of things in that in that talk that, you know, that I heard on a regular ba on a regular basis. But I'm really happy for him. I'm proud of him. You know, he's well deserved. You know, he'd been there earlier. You know, if you know earlier, but. Um, he belongs there, and I'm really happy to have been groomed under you know one of my him as one of my mentors. It was it was a really really happy moment. Coach, you talked about trying to get the program to a point to that, that have the consistent level of success that Bill Snyder's had at Kansas State. Um, and one thing that got in there was junior college players. Was there any sort of conscious um, decision to go after that sort of model? The answer is, answer is absolutely yes. Okay, before I took the job, you know, when Shannon called, before I took the job, you know, before we got to that point, I actually went online and I said, well, how are they winning? How are they winning and, and Kansas not winning? And basically their first place to go is go look at the roster. You look at that defense last year for Kansas State, nine junior college starters, wasn't it? I think it was, I don't know if it was 11, but it was at least nine. And I'm saying to myself, so this team's taking all these junior college guys, and they're in the same state with these guys right there, and they're not taking any of the junior college guys. So I said, well, maybe he's on to something. And I told him that. You know, I, I, I told him that to his face. I said, I said that, you know, not only did I tell him that I thought he was a heck of a coach, but I thought that he's, you know, some of the things that he's done, you know, rather than be a Jayhawk versus a Wildcat animosity, some of the things he's done I'd like to emulate because you could do a lot worse than picking up a lot of things from that guy because I think he's one of the best. I don't think there's a policy at Notre Dame against taking junior college players. Basically, there is a policy. No. <laughs> okay. Did you like doing that now? Did you wish at the time you could have? Or, or no, it was a different. It's just a different thing. Hey, let, let's look at it. Okay, let's go back to the to the to the the infamous three word comment that I, that I had down there. You're one in eleven. Okay. You're one in eleven. You're recruiting. Okay. Now, for for this not next year's class for this year's class. Okay, so you're one in 11. How many high school kids outside of your local area are going to be saying, God, I want to go play for them? You know, guys that no one else in the country wants. You know, that's what's going to end up happening in recruiting. So, therefore, what thought methodology can you possibly come up with, okay, to improve your team to be, get competitive in a hurry. The mentality is different with junior college players than it is with high school players. Now, as you noticed, even though you can't talk about names, every kid we got committed for next year is a high school guy. Okay, every one of them. I mean, so it isn't like you don't want, but now you could start recruiting better high school guys. Because what good does it do if you get guys who can't play? You know, you want guys that can play, and I think that that's... You know, that's the critical 
the critical factor in recruiting. I think that there can be a nice blend of high school guys and junior college guys with the number of JUCOs being significantly less than the one we have. But, you know, Parcells had always given me this, uh, this, this comment in football. He said, the thing about, thing about football, he goes, he always used baseball analogies. Everything was a baseball analogy. He goes, if you need a third baseman, go get a third baseman. Don't move somebody from short to third. Go get a third baseman. So now you get the JUCO rent. You need, you need a kicker? Go get a kicker. You know, that, that was what he'd say. And that's what he did in a lot of times when in free agency. He might not go get that second-year guy. He might get that 11-year guy who had very little tread left on his tire, but had enough, to, enough to go ahead. Everson Walls, here's a name for you. You're, you're fairly young. You might not know who Everson Walls was. Okay, but Everson Walls was at towards the end of his career. He's done with Dallas. We pick him up, he starts, and we win a Super Bowl. You know, so that's the type of guys that he'd look with, look for, because in free agency you could do that. Well, that's what JUCOs sort of are. I mean, you're going to trying to find holes. You're looking at a guy, look it, I got a big hole. You want to come fill it? And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, your program cannot sustain that number, the type of numbers we brought this year, okay, you, because there'll be years where your roster, you won't have enough scholarships to fill the roster spots, okay. But for the short term, it was definitely the, definitely the way to go because you didn't want to go recruit guys that you couldn't groom to good enough to, good enough to win with. Not to bring up a former stopping ground of yours, but said in his career, the year that he learned the most, what was a very good career, uh, was the year he didn't win a game. Did, did that whole, you won a game, but did, did that experience of, of seeing that for the first time in your career that way hold true? I think that in every place you go into, that's what's. Let, let, I don't want to label this this whole project rebuilding, but let's let's use that just for com, for our conversation. When you get into a program that's down that you want to turn around, I think that the first year is clean the slate. Now you'd like to have won a lot more games than the one we won. Kevin said it so clearly, and Kevin's a hundred percent right. Would you have liked to? Yes. But still, at the end of the day, you never would have been happy, okay, with the production if you're not playing in Dece if you're not playing a meaningful game in December or January. Really, in college football, if you're home for Christmas, then you had a bad year. I mean, that that's you, if you're singing "I'll be home for Christmas," it wasn't a good year. Okay, so real realistically, you know, in the grand scheme of things, once you've gotten to that point. You should also expect the most significant progress made in the next year. And that's where we are right now. You know, you don't go out and make any outlandish predictions on number of wins, but you expect significant progress from everyone in the organization. And it starts, once again, not for coach speak, because that's not my deal. It starts with me. I need to do a better job. So we're in those close games. Instead of losing with 11 seconds to go, you can get them over to home.
Whoa. <laughs> well, Hannah has moved into Hannah and Friends in, in South Bend. She moved in there June 8th. Um, fortunately, fortunately, she's transitioned wonderfully, which is a shocker, absolute shocker to me and my wife. My wife's feelings were actually hurt a little bit that Hannah enjoyed it so much. It was almost like, well, thank God, I'm finally out of here, you know. But that's going to allow, you know, more will come back and forth, you know, during football season. But really, if things go the way they're going with Hannah, you know, she'll be moving here full time in uh, November. And then what she'll do is split up the year. She'll spend half the year here and half the year in South Bend so she could be around Hannah because will always be, Hannah is where our family starts, you know, and that's the bottom line. Me and Charlie, we're just throw-ins, you know, but, but um, she'll spend half the year here and then half the year with Hannah and then, you know, I'll spend, spend the summers with her and, you know, you know, it, it, you know it, it, it'll work out a lot, but it'll be a lot better for the Weiss family this year than, than it was last year. Pardon me. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be around a little bit. You know, he's Charlie's done a wonderful job, and a lot of the young play, offensive players really lean on him. You know, because you know he's a bright young man. He's a, and he's a nice young man. He's a I'm very I don't know my wife did good because he I don't know how he's related to me. You know, he's he's really you meet him. He's quiet. He's reserved. You know, he's a, he's a fine young man. I'm very proud of him. The, the NCAA is kind of under siege and forces within your league. And I know Coach Steve talked about this too. But do you have a take on the stipend argument that the Manziel thing never leaves the headlines, it seems like this week? Well, which, which specific – I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. That's a, that's a, open, that's a lot of territory here. Why don't you give me something one – one, one more specific issue, and I'll gladly comment on it. Favor of your players receiving a stipend. Yes. Okay. I would be in favor of it. You know, I think that there's a number of guys that don't have any money. I think there's a number of them that don't have any money. Sorry, Sean. You know, you know, administration doesn't like that answer, but that's sorry. But uh, there's a number of kids. You think about it. They can't go get a job. This is their job. I mean, so would. Would I be in favor of them getting a stipend? Yes. How much? I don't know. That's a totally different thing. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go out and buy a pizza? And, you know, know you got the money to do that. I mean, I mean, our administration gives them everything that they could give them legally. I mean, I, I've never worked. I have absolutely zero complaints with anything our administration does because they'll go right to the letter of the law and go out of their way for our players. And I'm not saying that, saying that just because I'm the head coach. I'm saying it because it's the truth. Okay, but if you're asking would I be in favor, if, if they allowed the schools to do it, would I, if, if I would vote, I would vote emphatically yes. What if you were in a position like Kevin Sumlin is where you know a player like Johnny Menzel could potentially be suspended, would you risk playing him anyways, even if you know that those games could be vacated? I don't know. I don't know until he's suspended how that could be the case. To be perfectly honest with you, I think that I think he's got a clean slate till they do something. You know, why is A. Rod playing third base for the Yankees? Because he's not suspended yet. I mean, when you have him, you have him. When you don't, you don't. 
I mean, you deal with the problems. It's just like if somebody gets hurt. You have him, and all of a sudden he's hurt, then you don't have him anymore. I don't think he should go full speed ahead as if he's playing, and if he doesn't, have the backup plan ready to go because the backup plan could could come at any time. I think that's the way you got to approach it. You always have to have a backup plan. But, you know, I think the drop-off from the first guy to the second guy at that position at that school would be rather significant.